You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. We're in the four-dimensional series. We're talking about what it looks like for a church to be four-dimensional. Not three-dimensional, not two-dimensional, not one-dimensional, but four-dimensional. And we put out a contest last week, and it's been on Facebook, about guessing the fourth one. And so let's just take a gander (laughs) through the first three. We're not going to show the fourth one yet, okay? Um, The first one that we looked at was going dark. Going dark. Can you say going dark? This simply is a phrase to help describe what it looks like to create a lifestyle of prayer. If you've watched The Chosen TV show, if you don't know what I'm talking about, come find me right after service. It's an amazing TV series. It's all funded by people. And it is, uh, they're saying it's the best and most powerful uh, TV series or movie of the life of Jesus. If you've seen that, you understand that Jesus went dark often. He went off the radar where no one could find him, where he could quiet himself, where he could remove all distractions and be with his father. You see, Jesus understood that, yes, he was the son of God, but he also was man because he came to our rescue, and he had to become flesh. He had to be in the human form. And so he knew that he was fully and completely dependent upon the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus modeled a life of going dark. Let me just ask you, what does going dark look like for you? Many of you, live such busy paced lives. So many of you work so hard for your family. Some of you put in 12, 16 hour days. I just, I, two weeks ago, I went, uh, went through a Taco Bell um, drive-through and uh, there were only two people working there. And I waited in the drive-through line for almost 30 minutes. Two people there, when I got to the speaker, I said, how are you, honey? (laughs) And she just said, I'm tired. Two people working 16 hour days, seven days a week. People are tired, we're exhausted. We have very little time to ourselves. When our heads hit the pillow, they are swirling with the thoughts of the day anxious about the things of going on tomorrow. What about you? How are you able to get off the radar and be with daddy? Maybe you don't have any rhythms of prayer. And guess what? Start today. God is waiting for you in the dark of your life. He's waiting in the silence. 
He's waiting in your car during your lunch break. He's waiting on that walk. He's waiting on you just saying, God, I'm here. I don't have much, but what I have is yours. That's creating a lifestyle prayer. The next is going deep. Churches are very good, especially in America, being a mile to two mile wide in experience and ministry and program and an inch deep in the knowledge and the practice and the application of the word of God. We long here in this local body and all the church bodies in our community and surrounding communities, we long to see depth because when you go the depths to understand God more clearly, you begin to see him. And when you begin to see him, you experience him. And when you experience the depth of Jesus, your life changes. That's why the woman could break the alabaster box that cost her. See, we, don't, we, we, we buy perfume and cologne, you know, just on Amazon, like nothing. This was like a year's worth of her wages. Not just perfume, it was like a nard. It was, it was used for so many different purposes. And she saw the worth and the value of Jesus to where that life earning of one year's salary didn't cost a dime to her. She placed it and broke it and anointed Jesus with it. When you see Jesus, as you go deeper into who he is and who you are in him, your life will be different. The way you treat and love others will be different. And the way you live your life will have Jesus marked all around it. Are you going deeper? Are you in his word? Are you hearing his word? Are you watching his word? Are you consuming who he is? It's when we can create a life of prayer and we go deeper in the ways of God the Father, Christ the Son, and deeper in the Holy Spirit. Guys, believers... Followers of Jesus are missing out when they don't give attention to the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's controversy. Yes, there's misuse and abuse in the church when it comes to Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit is alive. He is active. He is the presence of God. He's a person. He's not a dove. He's not a ghost. He's not a mist. He's God. And it's in him we move and have our being. We can't do an ounce of supernatural life without the Holy Spirit. So we need to go deep. We also, when we live a life of prayer and we go deep, we begin to grow daily. We begin to grow daily. And the last one, don't put it up yet. The last one, many of you had guesses. No one got it right. And I kind of tricked you because a lot of people went the discipleship route. And it is that kind of, but it's so much more, friends. And uh, 
I remember developing this series and it was just the three-dimensional church. And I was sitting down with our staff one day and I was so excited and I was showing them going dark and going deep and growing daily. I said, guys, this is our, our vision. The vision of Elevation Community Church, by the way, is real what? Real people finding real hope in Jesus connected to real relationships. And we added a fourth one. Yeah, fourth one. We added a fourth one, growing through discipleship. And the last one is experiencing real life change. This gets us there, but it's missing one thing. God. We can go dark. We can pray till our lips are blue. But if God's not there, your words are empty. And you might as well do yoga. It's reflection. It's meditation without divine results. Where's God? This hit me like a ton of bricks. You can go deep. Deep into what? Information. If God doesn't bring this alive into your mind, into your heart, it's just information. But when God's in it, it's transformation. So many Christians are reading this thing and memorizing it, and it's just here. It's the longest 16 to 17 inches in all the world. From here, right to here. Transformation. Where's God in going deep? And growing daily. If God's not the one in the center of your growth, it's just behavior modification. We've got a lot of churches, and I'm not dogging churches. They're our family. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. But a lot of churches that are just either being misguided, maybe they've forgotten, or maybe they need a swift spiritual kick. Like us, Elevation, we need a swift spiritual kick because we're not going to grow if God's not leading the growth. And so the last dimension is this, God doing it. If God doesn't do it, it ain't happening. If God doesn't do it, we are doing it in the flesh. Is Sarah Goodwin now Ross here? Is she here? Well, she's probably watching online. I have a $25 Amazon gift card for you, hun. No one got it right, so I just did a random drawing. But I hold my promise true. Would you open your Bibles if you have one? If not, your phone app. Um, there's also some Bibles in the rows. Open your Bible to Colossians. Colossians is found in the New Testament after the Gospels. You got uh, Acts and Romans. 
You got um, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Go ahead and turn there if you don't mind. Go bring up the house lights if they're not already up. I want us to understand that if God doesn't show up and if Jesus isn't in the driver's seat, there ain't nothing you can do to make things in the spiritual Christian life happen. It's not earthly. It's not fleshly. Jesus told that to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again, but born of spirit, not of flesh. Born again. For you don't see the spirit, but you see the effects of the spirit. If Father God, if Christ the Son, and if the Holy Spirit is not the center of your life, friends, there will be nothing you can do of eternal value without it. Let's look at Colossians. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn, this is ESV, by the way, of all creation. That does not mean that he was born of flesh. It's saying that he has existed from the beginning. Mormons get this wrong. For by him, all things were created. You see, he's not a created being. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, everything. He's sovereign over all. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. Could we say that real quick? All things were created through him. Say through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. If God doesn't do it, it ain't happening. Now we're gonna see in a moment that we have a partnership with God. God has created us in such a loving way that he's given us the freedom to make choices, the freedom to choose what we do on this earth. We're not robots. But there are absolutely results that come from every choice. But before we get into the partnership, I just want you to think about it. If God didn't show up and intervene Where would Abraham be when he was 98 years old and prophesied a son? There ain't no way in his flesh and his age that that's gonna happen. God had to show up. Amen? What about Moses? They would have tr truly been stuck at the Red Sea with the Pharisee armies breathing down their neck. There was no way that they were going to cross the Red Sea if God didn't do it. But what did he have Moses do? Moses had a part to play. He stood in dependence on God. 
That is our role, ladies and gentlemen, is to depend fully on God. That's faith. The confidence of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, that's faith. But it wouldn't have happened if God wasn't there. And it wouldn't have happened if Moses didn't extend his staff of dependence on God. What about Elijah? One of my favorite characters in the Bible and he's standing before hundreds of false prophets of the God of Baal. The God of sex and sensuality and the God of murdering babies. That's the God they were worshiping. And Elijah stood before them and basically said, let's compete. If your God is real, go ahead and have your God burn these sacrifices, these animals. And they prayed, they prayed, they prayed. And Elijah taunted them and mocked them. He even said, I think your God's going to the bathroom. I mean, read it. It's hysterical. They're cutting themselves, bleeding, trying to make it happen in the flesh. How many, do, how many know that if God doesn't do it, it ain't happening? And so much trust and dependence Elijah had with God. No, God could have just came through the skies with the bolts of fire and just lit the sacrifice. But Elijah needed to extend his faith. So he takes buckets of water, drenches the sacrifice three times. Believe it's three times. Three times. It is drenched and soaked. And then he says, okay, God, your turn. And God lit that sacrifice on fire. And hundreds of false prophets were killed by the hand of Elijah that day. If God doesn't do it, it ain't happening, but he partners with his children to extend and walk by faith. Look at Shadrach, Meshach. And I heard a little child say it before, to bed we go. To bed we go. That was actually my niece. Where would they have been if Jesus Christ was not in the center of that furnace? They'd be burnt to a crisp. But before God met them in the fire, they chose to not bow to any other gods. And that's what put them in the fire in the first place. If he wasn't there, they would have been burnt. But if they didn't obey and stand up for God, they wouldn't have been in the fire. What about Daniel? He would have been fresh lion food if God wasn't there. But what got him there? Nothing stopped him from praying to his God. You see, God shows up where his people call on his name. What about Joseph, sold as a slave, stuck in prison, no hope for the dreams that God gave him to come to pass. But God was in it and it happened because Joseph stayed faithful and trusting God, what about David? He would have been just a poor outcast playing his flute and his harp with tons of sheep as his audience. He wouldn't have ever defeated the giant, let alone be king of Israel. But God, but God, 
What about Mary? Mary of Nazareth. There ain't no way the son of God was going to be born in a virgin without the God having something to do with it. There would be no supernatural birth of the son of God, the Messiah. No Messiah? Well, no sacrifice that would buy the forgiveness of our sins that we desperately need. No forgiveness? Then we're paying the penalty of our own sin and that's death and separation forevermore from God. No resurrection, there's no hope. No promises from God. Can you imagine if God didn't have mercy? But God. But we do have hope, friends. We have a living hope who rose from the dead, who's seated on the right hand of the throne of God and who is interceding and praying for his own. And where the Holy Spirit has now come on the earth as our counsel and guide to empower us and lead us. But guys, if we do not let God be God, it ain't happening. We can't do this on our own. Colossians 1 says he holds everything together. And so I just want to give us three points today as we just try to understand and comprehend that if God is not in it, it ain't happening. But he also needs us to give him permission to obey, to be faithful, to interact with him in relationship with him, to grow in him and like him. We have a part to play, friends. So often people come to Christ and get baptized if they do get baptized and they just think that they're good to go. And they wonder why. It just doesn't happen like they expected. They're not hearing God. They're not seeing God. It's because they're not letting God be God in their life. So the first one is we have to be fully dependent on God. For number one, for life itself. We go through life taking this for granted until we're sitting at the casket of someone we love. Just did a funeral for Tiffany Beamer's father. Please keep praying for Tiffany and Brandon and her mother, Vanessa. They're grieving deeply. And um, I say at most funerals, I say it takes tragic loss and it takes sorrow for most people to really start thinking about tomorrow. Eternity. It takes a casket in front of us to understand that this isn't it. There's so much more to eternity. We are dependent upon God for every single breath, friends. Don't believe me? Let's look at Psalms 139. It says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I can't attain it next. Verse 13, you formed me. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Yes, it takes a man and a woman to do that. But it's God birthing it, holding it together, and bringing it breath. And I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. We have to actually take responsibility to take care of ourselves. What we eat and what we do is important, and we reap the results of that, good or bad. But we have to understand at the end of the day, your last breath is ordained by God. We live in a fallen world where cancer and sickness runs rampant and murder and hate and people taking life into their own hands. But God is still sovereign. He knows the beginning to the end. God is the Alpha and Omega. He is in control, friends. Nothing gets past our God. He is the one who is the giver and the taker of life. And so we need to understand that he breathes life. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us life. And we are called to partner with God and be faithful with the life he's given us. Romans 12, verses one to two, Paul says, Therefore, by the mercies of God, I plead with you to present your bodies, say bodies, physical bodies as living sacrifices presented to God for this is your spiritual act of worship and do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to put in the work but if God ain't in it, it ain't happening. It's just religious activity. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for from it flows all things. You have to guard it. But if God isn't ultimately in the driver's seat of your life, it ain't happening. When's the last time you were keenly aware, friends, that the, if the Lord didn't show up, nothing of any spiritual worth or value would happen? And so I want to focus on the next step of full dependence on God. Are you still with me? We need to be fully dependent on God for being forgiven and saved. You can't do it. You can't earn it. No amount of good works can get you there. It is only through the sacrifice of a pure, spotless lamb of God. This is the beauty of salvation. God could have stopped there and said they're done. But he sent his one and only son 
to take our place so that the ultimate design from the beginning of time could happen where we are one with God the Father. And this only happens through the blood, the death, and the burial of Jesus. You can't save yourself. There is only one God, and you're not it. I'm not it. For this point, I'd like to read Ephesians. You can turn just back a couple books from Colossians. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. Look at this. Look at our helpless estate and where God shows up. And you were dead. So long. You're dead. You know that word dead in the Bible means separation. It does not mean the end. It means separated. So you were dead in your sin, meaning separated from a holy, perfect God. Dead because of your sin. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we've all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out, next, the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. That's your identity in sin. That's your identity is dead, separated from God like the rest of mankind. Can you all just read those next two words? Ready, go. Let's do it again, ready? But God. Best two words in all of scripture. But God. If there wasn't a but God, there'd be no reason for us gathering today. There'd be no hope for tomorrow. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead, separated in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ. And here is the kicker. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. You can't do that. You could never earn it or do it. It's only through the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ that we can have this so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches. He might show, not you. He might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one will boast, for we are his workmanship. So you have a part to play. But it's not you doing the spiritual forgiving and saving. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals forgiveness and salvation. 
And yet we try to add so much stuff to Jesus. We've missed it, friends. Jesus plus nothing is what gives us forgiveness and salvation. But what's our part? You have to believe it. And you have to receive it. Wow. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Paid the price for you? And have you received the life that he died to give you? Well, what's that look like? Well, really is no sinner's prayer in the Bible, but the principles come from the word. It says to acknowledge your sin before God, to acknowledge your separation before God, and then to cry out and cling to Jesus for forgiveness, to ask him to be Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says something supernatural happens that only God can do. God, his presence takes residence in your life. But friends, salvation starts there. But you've got to let him live in and through you. He's there. His blood covers your sin. His life gives you life. But are you just locking him away in the basement of your life? Or are you allowing him to change you and transform you? I'm not gonna spend much on this last one. But we need to be fully dependent on God for his purpose in our life. That's where discipleship comes into play. Let's look at Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We're doing that. He's calling us to do something, but not in our fleshly resources and strength. He says, go baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this is a commission. This is a command to us to do it. You can't do the great commission sitting on the sofa. You can't. But you can't do it without this last part. He says, behold, don't forget, friends, I am with you always. Can someone grab me a chair? Tara, would you mind grabbing me just a chair? Thank you, friend. This chair, friends, I like for this to represent God, God the Father, salvation and forgiveness through his son, Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit that indwells in us, seals us, convicts us, guides us, conforms us to Jesus. The truth of the matter is we, we can see God. We can understand God. You can hear the message that I've just been giving and you're like, that's great, I understand that. I'm a Christian, I believe. The problem is, is so many people relate to God, they believe, they, they know, they, 
they can even say that they trust that Jesus will hold them up. But they never step into relationship with Jesus and sit down. You see, salvation is paid for by Jesus. And you can look at Jesus and salvation. You can believe every part of it. You can say, I I trust him. You can put bumper stickers on your car. You can wear shirts that show your faith. But it ain't happening until you fully rest and depend on the salvation work of Jesus Christ. When you get up in the morning and you face grief, you face trials and tribulations, we're all going through it in different ways. We can see Jesus here. We know he lives in us. We know the word. But yet, why do we always try to make our own chair? You know what, Ernie? There's a box right there. Could you grab that? And I need four types of things that, to hold the chair up. Anyone have four Um, Help me out, please. Someone have a a water bottle? Something! (laughs) Okay, bring them up. Come on, I need need, need people. Okay, let's let's see if this works. All right, let's do this, fix this. We take that from there. um, Okay, let's, you got, okay. Let's, um, all right. Now, who can I get to come on up and sit? (laughs) Isaac, come on, buddy. Let's try it. Mom, dad, you need to sign a waiver, okay? Just sit. Go ahead. Oh, and he didn't even sit. I mean, he just leaned. Thank you, Isaac. Can we give it up for Isaac? Where are you right now trying to build your own chair? Where are you trying to make things happen at your workplace? Where are you even being misled in your life that you can somehow get yourself into heaven? That you can somehow please God by doing works without knowing him? Where in your marriage are you just trying to wing it? Because when we try to fix things, we're really good at being selfish and self-centered. And so we build things according to what we think will work. Jesus talks about it all the time. He says, if you don't build your life on the rock, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, It will be like building your life on sand that whenever a storm comes, it will crumble to nothing. As the band comes up, just wanna ask you, what's one place in your life right now where God is just saying, trust me? Will you fully, will you fully depend on me by not knowing 
what tomorrow holds, but knowing that I will hold you. Friends, this will change everything. Everything. And when we get this every morning, his mercy's new, whatever you're facing. Tell you what, friends, I had such a hard day yesterday. It was just the enemy, thoughts, discouragement, maybe even some of my body just off equilibrium. And it wasn't until Lauren and I prayed the blood of Jesus. I didn't feel like it. I wanted to do anything but sit. But it was when I said, I can't do this anymore. God, I need you. That's when things shifted. We're gonna sing a song. And the words are gonna be on the screen right now. And I want you just to whisper those words with me. Just whisper them. Here we go. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all you are. Can we go to the next slide? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here Again, can we do that one more time? Can you say that, speak that? There's power in our words. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? The altar's open. You can come and meet with God and pray. There's communion tables in the front corner you can realign yourself to what Christ did for you by taking the elements. You can stand and worship. This is your time to sit and depend fully on God. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.